Can everybody hear me? Okay, wonderful, wonderful. So depression can be described as feeling sad, down, or unmotivated. And many of us feel this way at one time or another for short periods. It's part of being human. But clinical depression is a mood disorder in which feelings of sadness, despair, loss, anger, or frustration interfere with everyday life for weeks or longer. And depression can change or distort the way you see yourself, your life, and those around you. People who have depression usually see everything with a more negative attitude and are unable to imagine that any problem or situation can be solved in a positive way. It's really important that people do not try to deal with depression alone. Talking to someone about how you feel or how you got to where you're at can release a lot of internal pressure. And people need to know that with time, they can feel much better, especially if they reach out for help. The good news is that depression is treatable. Sometimes changing our situation can help. Sometimes going for counseling can help. And sometimes taking medication can also help. A key to recovery, again, is to ask for help. Another key is to make some lifestyle changes. And some of those could include having a strong support system, and having a church like this, where you can let people around you know what you're going through and what you need from them. Also, sleeping, exercising, and eating right is important. Learning how to manage stress is very important for depression. Learning how to relax. And isn't it a wonderful thing to relax in the presence of God? And challenging negative thought patterns, as well as learning how to build emotional skills. So all of these things are important for depression. I don't have time to talk about all of them in detail, but I do want to talk about changing and challenging our negative thought patterns. And I want to talk about building emotional skills. So I want to give you thoughts that you can hold on to, thoughts of comfort and hope. Because when we're having a depressed day or when we struggle with depression for longer periods of time, the negative thoughts can be very strong. So as long as we live on this earth, it's really important to know that we will experience some hardship. It's part of living here. And hardship does not mean that God has forsaken us or that God does not love us. Psalm 34 verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions. God understands living here can be very hard. It doesn't mean that he's forsaken us. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8 to 9 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. So to cope with the hardships in life, I believe we need God's Holy Spirit, God's living water, to give us his wisdom, his comfort, and his strength. We need God's friendship and the hope of heaven. God is your friend. God is your gentle shepherd. 
and he wants to restore your soul in his presence. Jesus loves you, and Jesus is here to take care of you. Jesus will never leave you. He is here to comfort you, forgive you, strengthen you, and eventually take you to heaven, where there will never again be any hardship. And I'd like to go through some Bible verses to emphasize what I just summarized there. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And then Jesus talks about bad shepherds who have abandoned the sheep and have not cared for them or treated them well. But he says again, but I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, I know them, and I am known by them. This is a shepherd we can trust. He is good and even died for the sheep to save them from the wolves. In Luke 15, verse 3 to 7, it talks about the shepherd with his hundred sheep, and that one gets lost. And it talks about the good shepherd going in search of that one sheep until it is found. And then it talks about God's joy. He lays that sheep on his shoulders rejoicing. He has a celebration with friends and neighbors. And there is great joy in heaven. In Psalm 28, verse 9, it talks about God shepherding his people and carrying them forever. This is God's heart towards us. Now, as sheep, we are asked to follow our good shepherd, to stay close to him, to allow him to lead us and to take care of us. So not, God not only wants to be our good shepherd, but also our friend. In John 15, verse 15, Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants, but I have called you friends. In Proverbs 17, verse 17, it says, A friend loves at all times. He loves us at all times, during the good times, during the hard times. And 1 Peter 4, 8 says, love covers a multitude of sins. In James 2, 23, it says, Abraham believed God. Abraham believed what God told him. And it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. In John 15, 13, it says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And in Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, and this is written to believers. You know, we often hear this verse in terms of, you know, people coming to God for the first time, which is fine and wonderful. But this was actually written to a church, people who believed in God. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. So God pursues And he knocks and he waits patiently and he wants a friendship with us and he died so he could have this friendship with us forever. And he loves us at all time. There is no greater friend than this. And what does God want our response to be? Well, in 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love him because he first loved us. So again, he's saying, I'm the good shepherd. And see how much I love you and want to take care of you. And then we respond to that. And he loved us first. So he says, I'm your friend. And I knock and I wait and I pursue. And I love you at all times. And and your sins are taken care of as you come to me. And so what is our response to be? To believe 
what he says, to hear his voice, to hear his call, to open the door of our hearts and our lives to him and to dine with him, to dine with him. And when you think of dining, what kind of comes to mind there? If you're going to dine with somebody, it's, it's, a, it's an intimate time, right, where you share your feelings, your thoughts, your struggles, you know, and the other person does too. That's what Jesus wants with you. He wants that friendship. He wants to share his heart with you, his thoughts and feelings with you, and he wants to hear all about yours. So as God's children, we can hold on to these following promises no matter what is going on. One, God will always love us. God will always love you. In John, it says God is love. Jesus says greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Number two, God will never leave you. Never. You are not alone no matter how dark it feels at times and what you're going through. Jesus promises in Hebrews 13 verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he is God. He can't lie. And God says he will never forget you. And sometimes, you know, feeling forgotten and feeling left out, it's, you know, that can cause a lot of pain. But Jesus says, God says in, in Isaiah 49, verse 15 to 16, See, I will not forget you. I have carved you on the palm of my hand. Number three, God wants to comfort us. <coughs> Excuse me. And in Corinthians, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. So it assumes we're going to have tribulation in this world, but he's there to comfort us. It says, God who comforts the downcast. And God says, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Another promise is that God will strengthen us. As we wait on him and rest in his presence, he will strengthen us. In this book of Psalms, it says, The Lord is the strength of my life. My flesh and heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So will we have troubles? Yes, but God is that refuge and strength. In Isaiah, it says, He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, He increases strength. When people struggle with depression, they often feel very weak and with no strength. And it says that God will give us that strength as we wait on him. And in Jeremiah it says, O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction. Now, some people who struggle with depression think, well, you know what? I'm really not good enough (laughs) for God's love and friendship and him shepherding me. Like, you have no idea what I have done. There's a lot of often guilt and sense of worthlessness when people are in depression. But listen to what Romans 5, verse 5 to 8 says. It says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength... In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good person someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if you feel you are without strength, that you have been ungodly, that you've made wrong choices that you feel guilty about, then you are the very person that Jesus loves unconditionally, who Jesus died for and opened the door of heaven for. Amen. Amen. And so we need to know that no matter what, we have that hope. No matter what. And even if we're feeling worthless and even if we're feeling guilty, Jesus said, we are the very person that he died to give that hope for. The good news is that Jesus removes the stain of our guilt. The enemy likes to to push those guilt and shame buttons, right? And that can lead to a lot of depressing feelings and thoughts. But the good news and how we overcome that kind of guilt is that Jesus has removed it. Yes, it might be there, but Jesus has removed it. And there was an exchange on the cross, an exchange, okay? So Jesus is on this side, and he's pure, and he's holy, and he's righteous, and he's never done anything wrong. And then humanity, every one of us, is on this side. And we've all made wrong choices. We've all made mistakes. We all have real guilt. But Jesus says this, let me put your guilt and sin on myself. And I'll take it to the cross and pay for it. And then let me put my righteousness and purity on you. And that's the exchange. That's the gift. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus. In Isaiah 61, verse 10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with his robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. What a beautiful picture. This is a beautiful robe that he wants to give each and every one of us. In Isaiah 43, verse 25, God says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. So I encourage you all to say, yes, Jesus, take my guilt, take my sins, take my mistakes, my wrong choices, take it all away. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Take it all away. And I'll take your righteousness. And I'll let you put your beautiful robe of salvation, forgiveness, righteousness, and purity on me. I I will say yes to that exchange. And we can bring all our guilt to God, knowing we are always loved, always valuable, always precious, and always priceless to him. It is God's pleasure to give us his forgiveness, his righteousness, and eternal life in heaven where there will always be joy. It is his pleasure. And just a, uh, some verses on heaven, which is another thing to hold on to. In Revelation 21, verse 3 to 5, sometimes days can be dark and we're going through hard times and it's hard to find something to hold on to. But we can hold on to God's friendship. We can enter God's presence And we can hold on to the hope of heaven. And that's what we need. 
the friendship of God, the hope of heaven. Revelation 21, 3-5 says, I heard a loud voice speaking from the throne. Now God's home is with people. He will live with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them. And he will be their God. He will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There will be no more death or more grief or crying or pain. The old things have disappeared. Then the one who sits on the throne said, And now I make all things new. Then he also said to me, Write this because these words are true and can be trusted. And also in um, Corinthians, about heaven, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but, what a, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So what we see and experience on this earth, especially the hardships and, t- and tribulations, they're temporary. But what is the, the joy set before us in heaven, that is eternal. It's good to hold on to that hope. So... These are all good things for us to hold on to in our thoughts to challenge the negative thinking. And I'd also like to talk about the importance of building emotional skills. We need emotional skills to cope with trauma, loss, and stress. And learning how to recognize and express your emotions can help people to bounce back from difficulties. And it's also important to learn to balance our emotions. And if you picture two columns, okay? This column is what I'm thankful for. This column is what I'm upset about, okay? So people who journal, which is a great thing to do to write out your feelings and thoughts, uh, sometimes it can help to to have two columns. Um, and, And it's important to know that thankfulness is a choice. It's not necessarily a feeling at all. We can be feeling really down, and and we can tell God what we're feeling and talk to people and say, oh, I'm just feeling terrible. And we can remember the thankful column. And you know what? And I'm thankful for my friends. And I'm thankful, you know, maybe for my cat. And I'm thankful that God is my friend. Like, there are always, there's always something we can be thankful for. As human beings, we often get stuck in one or the other column, right? And for, for some people, it's like they push away all their negative feelings and struggles, and they're like thankful all the time. And it might look nice, but there's a whole part of themselves that is being neglected, right? Their, their heart, their soul, the pain. And so they need to also be able to say, oh, you know what, I am thankful for all these things, and you know what, I'm also upset about these things. And, and some people get up, kind of stuck in the upset column <laughs> and they kind of forget what they're thankful for and it can become a very dark place because they're only thinking about, you know, the pain and the negativity. Um, and so it's good to have the balance and it's biblical. It talks about being thankful and it also talks about pouring our hearts out to God and Jesus in the garden and the prophets and, and there's so many examples, the Psalms um, of of people pouring out their hearts to God. And, and we can tell God, I am angry about this. I am angry about it. It doesn't seem right or fair, and it doesn't seem just, and, and, and I'm feeling very upset about this. And we can tell God, I'm really sad. I'm really, really sad today. We can tell God, I'm scared. I'm really scared about this, Lord, and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle it. 
And we can tell God, I feel really guilty and sorry about what I said or did. I, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. These are all things he wants to hear. And it's very important for depression that we give voice to, to the places of pain in our heart and soul. But also to balance that with what we're thankful for. So we can say, Lord, I've had such a horrible day and, and I'm really angry about this and sad about that. And I feel so sorry that I reacted this way. And God, thank you that you're my friend and you're here to listen to me. Did you see how it goes together? It's really important for emotional skills to have the balance. And, and there's ways, you know, we can talk, we can pray, we can write out our feelings. Um, do you know that, now, now depression happens for many reasons. There's all kinds of reasons. Um, and one reason sometimes is, is due to something called frozen rage. Frozen rage. And, and when people feel, you know, I should just be thankful and I shouldn't ever complain and... You know, and anger, no, I shouldn't ever say I'm angry because that's wrong. And, and, and some people are raised to believe those things. And, and then things happen. Grief and loss happen and injustice happens. And they have anger that's very valid, but they bury it because they, they don't know how to handle it. Maybe they've seen anger misused or, or have been abused by anger, so they're scared of it. And they push it down and it becomes frozen rage, and then that turns into depression. It turns against them. That is one, oops, <laughs> that is one possibility of, um, of how depression can affect people. So let's not hide these feelings or bury them. I love the book of Psalms in the Bible. King David wrote many of these songs to God. And David had a lot of trauma, stress, and loss in his life. And he regularly poured out all his feelings to God, both the positive and the negative. And learning to recognize and express our emotions in a healthy way is a very important part, even of just regular stress management. It is also a wonderful way to deepen our connection and friendship with God. Remember, he wants to dine with us. God longs for each of us to connect with him in this way. He wants to listen to and comfort us. One of the names for God is the Wonderful Counselor. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 5-7, to cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. Cast them. Throw, throw them at him, right? Don't bury them away. And in Psalm 62, verse 8, it says, pour out your hearts before God. Do you see that? It's the, the inner stuff. So depression often includes feelings of hopelessness, helplessness, worthlessness, and guilt. There is often also feelings of grief connected to difficult changes or losses in life. And again, none of us are immune to that. So let's, let's look at the Psalms and some other Bible verses to help us learn how to cope with these difficult emotions. I'm going to read from Psalm 42. Listen to how the psalmist pours out these wounded parts of his heart and soul. He says, My tears have been my food day and night. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? But then in verse 11, okay, so he's giving his heart and soul a voice, okay? But then with his mind, he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. 
the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me. Do you see the two columns, right? He pours out his heart and soul, and then he chooses to cling to God as his hope. And this is a theme here you're going to see. He chooses to cling to God. Now, and even says, why have you forgotten me? Now, I believe the psalmist knew that God didn't forget him, but it's how he felt. It's how he felt, right? And, and, and we can tell God how we feel. You know, um, there's something called triggers, and, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but you can be going along your day feeling pretty good, and then something happens, and all of a sudden you're in touch with pain that, was kind of buried away or anger that you weren't really in touch with. And see, we're made up of many parts, heart, soul, spirit, mind, body. The Bible talks about all these parts of us. And there's wounded parts of our heart and soul connected often to experiences in our past that we usually bury away just to cope with life. But then there is a trigger. And sometimes we don't even know what what happened, but there's a trigger. Something we see or, or, or hear or it can even be the time of year. There's so many different ways we can be triggered. That opens the door to these wounded parts of our soul. But then often we're like, I don't want to feel this pain. <laughs> so we do what we can to push it away, maybe stay really busy or, or something. Um, but, but we need to, for mental health <laughs> and, and in even connection with God in these wounded places, we need to give these wounded parts of us a voice. And did you see how the psalmist does that? We need to pour out our pain to God. We need to meet God there where the pain lives. And, and careful to not let the, oh, I shouldn't really complain or I shouldn't, you know, ask God why. And um, don't let the false guilt, shame keep you from bringing your pain directly to God. Okay, so let's look at another psalm. In Psalm 43, the psalmist says, Vindicate me, O God. Plead my cause. Deliver me, God. For you are the God of my strength. Send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. He's saying, help me, God. And then the the, the same words again. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. Do you see the the different parts of ourselves there? We give voice to the pain, and then we direct our soul very gently, this wounded part of our soul, to cling to God, to hope in God. It's not a rebuke. You shouldn't be upset. Just be thankful and hope in God. No, it's saying, it's okay, my wounded part of my soul. (laughs) It's okay, you know? God hears you. Cling to him, hope in him, for I shall yet praise him. In, jo- in Joshua 22, verse 5, mm-hmm. wonderful, thank you, Bob. That's wonderful. Um, near the end, uh, Bob feels the Lord wants, to, wants him to share a bit of his story before we pray, so that's beautiful. In Joshua 22, verse 5, it says, cling to God, and it says, hold fast to him. Cling to God, hold fast to him. So when this wounded part of us wants to run away to unhealthy things, to addictions, to obsessions, because you know, what do you do with this pain? It's like, I don't want to feel it. And if I feel it, then I feel like going somewhere unhealthy. But, but we're to direct that part of our soul. Cling to God. Cling to God. In Psalm 74, verse 1, it says, Deliver me, O God, 
out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For you are my hope, O Lord God. O God, do not be far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. Okay, so that's the pouring out. I'm scared. I'm overwhelmed. I I feel trapped. God, help me, help me. But then it says, but I will hope continually and will praise you, God, yet more and more. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. You know, some people read the Psalms and they feel confused because they're like, it's like there's two people here. (laughs) It's all this despair. And then it's like, and God is my strength and hope. It's like, what's going on? But what's going on is, is this process. In Lamentations 3, verse 55 to 57, the prophet Jeremiah said, I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. Do you ever feel like you're in the lowest pit? Hmm? You have heard my voice. I said to you, do not hide your ear from my sighing, from my cry for help. Then you, God, drew near on the day I called on you and said, do not fear. Again, we don't want to hide those places. It's when he called out to God from that lowest pit. He didn't hide from the lowest pit. He brought that lowest pit to God. And then God drew near on that day because he cried out from his heart and soul. Anxiety, fear, and depression are often closely related. And God says to those parts of us that are in pain, do not fear, trust in me, Hope in me, I will be your strength. I will be your wisdom. Cling to me. Hold on to my robe. Cling to me, and I will guide you. In 1 John 4 8, it says, Perfect love casts out all fear. God's love is perfect, and He wants to deliver us from our fears and give us hope to go on. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible Hebrews 6, verses 18 to 19. It says, we have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Hey, do you see the theme again of clinging, holding on to? This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, right? Our soul needs an anchor, right? Both sure and steadfast and which enters God's presence, and that's what we need. We need to be in God's presence. We need to hear him speak deeply to our heart and soul when we're in in distress. I'm going to say it again. It's so beautiful. We have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters God's presence. So again, Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And Psalm 31 verse 24 says, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. So let us pour out our hearts and soul, and then cling to God's love, his friendship, and the hope of heaven. And I would like to say a prayer. Lord Jesus, I I thank you for the wisdom of your word. Thank you for the truth that can give us hope in the midst of depression and in the midst of hardship. Help us to pour out our hearts and souls to you, even though it can feel scary to go into those places, but to pour them out to you and to others who are supportive. And yes, even tell you about our anger. And then may we choose to cling to you 
as our good shepherd, as our friend, as the one who always loves us and values us, who forgives us, who will never leave us or forget us, who comforts us, gives us strength in your presence, and who has opened the door of heaven for us. May we cling to this hope, which is an anchor of our souls. In Jesus' name, thank you that you give yourself to us. And as the woman who, who said, if I, if I could just grab a hold, if I could just touch him, he'll help me. And she, she grabbed your robe and you felt power go out of you. And, and you're like, grab onto my robe in your, in your pain and, and direct those wounded parts that are even maybe scared of me. Gently tell them, cling to God and my power will strengthen you. So Lord, we come and we grab onto your robe and we direct these wounded parts of our heart and soul to, to cling to you, to hold fast to you. And you will strengthen us and you will comfort us and you will get us through the hard times. And we thank you and worship you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, uh, Bob would like to share um, a bit of his story, I guess, as related to this. And then afterwards, um, we just, I just want to say that we're, Bob and I and a few others are here to pray. If anybody would like some prayer for those wounded parts of your heart and soul. Okay? Thank you. Okay, so uh, I just felt like God was prompting me to be a bit vulnerable uh, in terms of my journey with God, my past history, and, um, and struggles with depression. And so I'd like to explain what happens when I'm quote-unquote triggered, okay? Uh, I have to take you back to when I was a very young child, and I had an uh, opportunity to go to vacation Bible school. And uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience for me. I had um, never heard about God in my home. Uh, I didn't know about Jesus. I you know, didn't know God as love. I didn't know any of those things. And so I remember kind people telling me, that God loves me. And as much as they could explain to a child, they explained how Jesus uh, went to the cross so that I could be forgiven. I didn't really understand a lot about that. But I knew they were kind, and I heard that God was love. Unfortunately, vacation Bible school didn't last long. I think it was a week in the summer. And I would go from this environment where there were kind people and I heard that God is love back home and home was not safe. Okay? I won't go into all the uh, ugly details, but um, I, I'm a survivor of childhood abuse. Okay? And when I was experiencing some of that, a little voice came to me and said, there is no God. Or if there is a God, he's not loving. Or if there is a loving God, you are not worthy of his love. 
That was depressing. That was depressing. Now, when I go through life, as Helga talked about, just you wake up, you know, you do whatever you do, you shave and have a coffee. That's my daily ritual. Sorry if that's too much information, probably not. (laughs) Then I see or I hear something, right, that reminds me of some of those darker times, okay? Maybe maybe I have a bad experience uh, today, okay? And it triggers old feelings. With those old feelings come those old thoughts. And I'll just be honest, they're lies, okay? So embedded in my pain from the abuse of my childhood are lies. I'll tell you what happens when I would attempt to to bury the pain. Uh, I couldn't see the lies for what they were. And I'll probably talk about this. I mean, we, we get an opportunity to share for the month. You know, thank God. Uh, for many years, I tried to bury the pain with um, substance abuse. Okay? So in addition to being a Uh, child abuse survivor. I'm uh, uh, recovering, thank God, sober for about 30 years now because I'm old. Uh, (laughs) Thanks to God, recovering from, you know, daily uh, drug abuse. Very thankful that God has set me free from that. But I was using it to hide from the pain. But when I hid from the pain, I couldn't bring it to God, okay? When I finally decided to put aside the substance abuse, get in touch with the pain, I I tell you, there was nothing like that. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I thought I was going to have a stroke. But God was with me. And I poured out the pain to him. And he spoke to me. And he said, I am. There is a God. And he said, I am love. And he said, You are worth loving. Okay? You were abused because other people were not functioning well. Okay? You were abused because adults in your life were slaves to sin. And they needed to bring those sins to me to be set free, to be forgiven, to be transformed. What you experienced was not evidence that I don't love you or that you are not a dearly loved child. And so when I'm triggered, I get an opportunity again to come to God because those feelings are still there. And sometimes those lies are still there. And when I go to the Lord with those feelings and those thoughts, I have an opportunity to encounter his truth and his love, be healed, 
be comforted and have my mind renewed. And I think that's called Christianity. Okay, so I just wanted to share that. And so there's a little bit of time if people want to come and pray. All right, so we're just going to take a, a moment. I know it's around the time where we, uh, we go. For those of you who need to go, by all means, um, you're free to go. But those of you who would like to stay, um, if you want to receive some prayer ministry, please come on up. Um, uh, Bob and Helga and some others from here at Trinity will be here to pray with you. For those of you who want to just stay here, just in, in the midst of prayer, in the midst of the ministry that's going on, please feel free to stay. Um, but we're just going to take this moment. Um, again, if, you're, if you need to go, uh, by all means. But let's just pray before we um, enter this time of prayer. Uh, Lord, we, we just, we're so thankful for all that we've heard. Um, thank you so much for um, the truth and the promises that are found in Scripture um, that we can, we can hold to and we can cling to, Lord, especially in times where there's, there, it, we feel like we're drowning and, and there's nothing around. Lord, your word is true and it stands true. It, it's always true. And so, Lord, help us to um, not only know it in our minds, but to deeply, deeply understand it in our hearts and in our souls, Lord. Um, and Father, in this time, we just ask for your presence to come and minister to us. Um, uh, we just thank you. Have your way, Lord. Uh, Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.